Hello and welcome back to this edition of the Ohio Sports Administration podcast, 50 Years in the Making. My name is Travis Meisner and I'll be joined later on by my classmate Brett Bauer as we sit down with Brent Schaub, who at the time of this interview in October of 2015 was the Director of Corporate Partnerships for the San Francisco 49ers. He has since been promoted to the Vice President for Corporate Partnerships with the same organization. Brent is a 2006 graduate of Ohio Sports Administration program and has had stops with the Memphis Grizzlies as well as Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We discuss how the 49ers have moved from a traditional approach of their sponsorships to a less is more model that cut their partnering companies in half and propelled them near the top of the league in revenue. Brent and his team are ahead of the curve in part because of the opportunities they've leveraged with the building of one of the world's most modern venues in Levi Stadium, which has held events like Super Bowl 50, WrestleMania, and the Pac-12 Championship in recent years. Brent has a lot to share about his partnerships world, as well as why he chose to go to Ohio and how it's impacted him throughout his career. All right, we'll get it going. This week we are joined by the Director of Corporate Partnerships for the San Francisco 49ers in Class of 06, Brent Schaub. Brent, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you guys? We are excellent. We are excellent. So we want to hear kind of initially first off, just tell us about your job briefly uh, with the 49ers. I know you were there once and you came back again. What, what do you do on a daily basis? And, and just give our listeners a sense of uh, your role responsibilities. Definitely. So currently serve as the director of corporate partnerships for the 49ers and Levi Stadium, overseeing our day-to-day operations, both on the corporate partnership sales and corporate partnership services side. So really our team is charged um, with selling, cultivating, and activating all of our partnerships and sponsorships for the Niners as we moved into uh, Levi Stadium. Um, the other piece that's that's unique here is that not only do we sell for 49ers uh, games here. We also have several other events that our team gets involved in. So really we can take not only Niners games and NFL games to our prospects, but we can also take other non-NFL related opportunities to them as well, such as a Pac-12 championship football game. Gotcha. If you could take a look back on your career as a whole to this point, what would you say is one decision, project, a job, something that propelled you into where you are today that you kind of reflect on as the turning point or what has guided your career to uh, kind of put you in the role that you're in today? Yeah, absolutely. The Can I, st- can I cheat and do two? Sure, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Fantastic. Um, the first one I'd say, you know, really in the corporate partnership world, it's it's all about building relationships and how do you creatively come up with ideas and inventory that really target partnership objectives. So when you're going in, instead of just selling spots and dots, what's a creative idea that someone can get hooked on? And it was probably one of my smaller deals I had, but I was fortunate enough to work with AARP, believe it or not, (laughs) um, in Tennessee. And we had, their their whole goal was to promote active lifestyles um, for seniors. And as part of that, we just uh, were rolling out the Grizzlies, Grannies, and Grandpas dance team. So uh, we had a very creative tie-in that they sponsored the Grizzlies, Grannies, and Grandpas dance team, along with having a bingo night uh, with the Grizzlies. So so very non-traditional, but um, found a creative way to achieve their objective of promoting active lifestyles. So I think that was kind of the first time that I saw the light in terms of tying up 
partner objectives into a creative idea. And then obviously in, in the world of corporate partnerships and sponsorships, it's all about driving revenue for the company. So I'd say the second piece when I came to the Niners here the first time, I was fortunate enough to sell the, my first multi-million dollar deal here, which uh, was with HP. Mm-hmm. And it was the first ever season presenting partnership we had here with the Niners. Uh, at the time, it was the largest deal in the history of the team. Wow. And, um, you know, it was a, a very unique relationship and set up with them. So that kind of, I guess, put me on the map in terms of being able to sell uh, top tier partnerships. That pres- first presenting uh, partner of the season with HP, that's, that's a pretty unique strategy, a pretty unique partnership. Can you discuss that a little bit more, how those conversations went, what some of the assets that they were utilizing during the season and what they were entitled to? Yeah, definitely. You know, it, we, were, we were struggling a little bit on the field for probably the last decade, and, and we were in a, in a, a decrepit stadium at Candlestick Park at the time. So <laughs> it wasn't nice the way. easiest pre- – yeah, it was, wasn't the easiest property to uh, to sell all the time, but we obviously had a big brand with the Niners, so it was more of a brand play with HP, and you know, really just got creative and got in front of their CMO at the time. Um, we actually brought in Dwight Clark, who was uh, part of the famed catch, if you will, um, as part of the pitch, and you know, we really just looked at their objectives for what they were trying to achieve, um, and really tie in that association of the hometown play. Um, you know, the big technology company here based in the Bay Area. And as part of the season presenting partnership, they're really everywhere the Niners brand was that those last couple of years closing down Candlestick. Uh, one of their big things was was entertaining, not only to keep talent, but also for all their, their partnerships in the tech world. So we actually turned the old San Francisco Giants dugout at Candlestick into their suite. Oh, wow. um, so it was, it might have been, it might have been the first quote-unquote field-level suite, but it was definitely um, a little janky, as you can imagine. It was, it was literally a baseball dugout that we turned into a field-level suite, and I think the Cowboys opened their stadium right after that with some field-level suites. So we got really creative with the inventory that we had and had a great relationship with that team and just made sure everything that we rolled out for them really touched on their objectives. You mentioned the old Candlestick Stadium, and now that you're obviously in the new Levi Stadium that opened in 2014, I believe, can you discuss your partnership strategy before you had the new stadium and then maybe now with the stadium or how you were maybe uh, involved with the designing of the new Levi Stadium and when the sponsorship team had a voice in, in that design process? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was definitely a monumental shift. At Candlestick, we were just trying to close out the building and, and quite honestly trying to find, you know, every single partner we could, no matter what, what the investment level or what the brand. Um, and that was kind of the strategy we had to close down the building, which isn't too dissimilar from other, other venues closing down their venues as well. Um, you know, looking as we made the transition to Levi Stadium, so our um, our ownership and executive team, including uh, my boss, Ethan Casson, who's our CRO, um, came up with a plan with less is more. Mm-hmm. And I know you, I know a lot of people say that all the time. And, and the question is, you know, are, are companies delivering on this? And, you know, fortunate enough working under him to to really deliver on this strategy. So we went from about 130 partners at Candlestick to uh, about 50 at Levi Stadium, which is, I think we're like fourth least in the NFL right now. And we went from a quartile four team in revenue, which is the very bottom, to a quartile one team in revenue, 
um, even though we kind of cut our partnerships in a third. So we really went a lot deeper with all of our relationships here at Levi's, uh, multi-year relationships. And also it was neat because we got our partners involved in the design process. So, you know, Yahoo is very interested in one of the clubs here. And, um, you know, with my boss's strategy and, and their C-level executive support, we turned that into a Yahoo Fantasy Football Lounge, you know, from the from the beginning uh, before we even started construction on the building. Wow. And I guess that kind of leads into the next question. This year, 2016, obviously, uh, Levi Stadium will be hosting the Super Bowl. How has that affected your your process this year or in the coming year? And and how have you how do, how do you go about selling that or adding that into current relationships, or is it just completely separate? Yeah, you know, it's we we joke here that it's um it's like Airbnb where we pretty much throw the keys at the NFL and they they take over our house for the weekend. Actually, it's about more of a month uh, a month long stay for them. But you know, I think the the key aspect really was uh, the buzz that we were getting a Super Bowl here as we were building the venue. So when uh, when we were talking in the marketplace to get some of these these less is more less is more partners on board. It was more saying, hey, you know, not only is this a, a 49ers venue, we're going to get world-class events like Super Bowl 50, Pac-12 championship football game, uh, WrestleMania, outdoor hockey, you name it. We just wanted to show that all of our partners were getting access now, not only to the Niners, but also to a world-class venue on the West Coast. Um, in terms of leveraging assets, we definitely had some access to additional Super Bowl tickets that we could incorporate in partnerships. But in terms of the actual year leading in, there's a couple things that we can do, but really it's more um, heightened awareness for the building than anything on the corporate partnership front. That's great. And you mentioned multiple different sports uh, using your facility, and I know you have worked in across a number of different sports and leagues uh, in, in the NBA, the NFL, uh, motor racing. Uh, can you discuss or talk about your previous uh, roles and responsibilities, and if there's any differences or challenges working across, going from sport to sport? Yeah, no, good question. It's, you know, really at the end of the day, I think on the corporate partnership world at least, it's it's really the same process for closing deals. It's all about building the relationships and getting in front of the right decision makers to uh, to finalize these partnerships. I guess the only probably major differences between, you know, NBA, NFL, et cetera, are you know, what does your inventory look like? Where in the NBA, you have a lot more TV visibility versus the NFL. Um, but in the NFL, you have a lot more eyeballs per game on uh, your digital assets versus uh, the NBA. So I think inventory is a key difference. And then the second thing I'd say are, you know, what are the categories that are endemic to the sport? Obviously, with, um, with motor racing, for example, a tire company uh, is most likely going to be a partner. With football, you know, looking at Wilson football, obviously, is an endemic partner to the sport. So I'd say between inventory and, and partner categories that are endemic to the sport are probably the two major differences. But at the end of the day, it's a relatively similar and replicable process in terms of closing down partnerships. Okay. Well, I, I've never really looked at it that way before. Um, so I guess to transition a little bit here, uh, we'd like to ask you a few questions about uh, your experience with, while you were on campus here at Ohio. Uh, I guess first and foremost, um, how did you hear about the program, and who who helped you get here? Yeah, I, would, it, I can definitely put all the credit into Jill Sutherland. 
Um, he's an alum of the program and was a former owner of the St. Cloud River Bats of the Northwoods League. And I was fully down the path of going into the finance world, financial advisor, stockbroker world. And he, he completely made me think, you know, 180 in terms of a sports business career. So I worked uh, in the summer for the River Bats for three years. And he was the one that introduced me to Ohio and kind of set the uh, the ball in motion. Wow, that's it's funny. Uh, the formerly known St. Cloud River Bats, I think they're the St. Cloud Rocks now. I saw them play a couple summers ago. Uh, yeah, I know. I tell you what, all my gear is vintage now, so I might be able to get some money on eBay for it. <laughs> what is, looking back at your experience, what is one thing you would tell your graduate student self right as you're starting or you're getting that, you're looking at that job process, but what's, uh, what's one thing that Brent should have known when he was at Ohio? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing I would I would note, obviously getting experience is important and that's the, the easy cop-out answer, but I think even more importantly is getting a really strong network of mentors in the industry. And I think a lot of a lot of individuals try to go a little too wide and I would go a little deeper with those relationships. So instead of kind of fringe knowing everybody, you know, I would recommend getting a half dozen people that you know really well that can help you uh make the appropriate steps in your career moving forward. And that's something that actually Jim Kaler um still instilled in us when he came onto campus. Uh, in his first season and definitely still take that advice today. I think that's a, a really great point uh, that maybe not even some of our graduate students quite fully understand yet. You, you get this big green alumni book, you're amazed by how many people are in there and where they're at, but selecting a few of those and then diving deep, like you said, and really getting to know people on a on a one-on-one basis is where I think the, the true value and key is. Yeah, I definitely agree. How would you say on a day-to-day basis or just in general, how do you use your degrees, both the MBA and the MSA, in your current role? Yeah, I would say, you know, my world here is really an intersection of business and sports. It's it's funny because, you know, a lot of people think, you know, working for the 49ers that I talk about football in the Niners every day and all day long. But I actually talk more about business than I do football as, you know, when I'm talking to Pepsi, I need to understand the soda category. When we're talking to Levi's, I need to understand the jeans and fashion category. So, you know, it's it's truly an intersection between the two. Obviously, there's plenty of football that, that comes in the conversation as well. But I think that was a really neat thing at OU where you get your MBA and MSA. It's truly a collision of both sport and business, and in the corporate partnership world, it's it's exactly the same once uh, you dip your toe into this career as well. Are there any certain classes or, or projects that you can remember for you, from either the MBA or the MSA side that uh, either you still think about today or were just very influential in your, um, in your career? Boy, you're really testing my memory, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know... The the things that I remember, and there there's a lot of things to pull away, but I think on the MBA side, um, I won't lean to one specific project, but more just the group work mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, you're sitting in a room and, you know, the, the six people around you might not be your best friends, but you need to figure out how to get to a solution based on that group working together. So I think that was definitely the most critical part coming out of the MBA. And then the MSA, um, some of the real-life projects um, were the most interesting. Like we 
we rolled out the Bobcat Blitz for the first, it was the first year during, during our class that we rolled out that program. So it was the first time that we really sold sponsorships to that. Mm-hmm. So it was really unique to set up a strategy and understand the, the process of sponsorships. And then also just getting to know the alums, whether, you know, it was a call into a class or the famed uh, North Carolina trip, if you will, <laughs> just getting an understanding and, and, you know, a grasp really of the industry from real life perspectives. If you had a, a undergrad student reach out to you or someone that you knew who said they're thinking about applying to our sports administration program at Ohio, um, what advice would you give them if they were debating there or possibly going into an entry-level role? You know, the, I, th- I think at the end of the day, and this is what really sold me as well, I mean, there's there's great people in the sports business industry, and there's plenty of plenty of programs out there. Um, the thing that that separates Ohio, though, is really that the green book, as you refer to it as, the, the alumni directory, because at the end of the day, um, the education piece is absolutely critical to setting yourself up for success and building a foundation. But ultimately, who are the connections you can lean on in the, in the industry to get your first job, to advance in your career, to become friends once you're in the industry and, and proceed from there? So I really think the alumni directory and database is really the one key factor when making the decision because at the end of the day, you can see, you know, is this is the program you're looking to apply to, does it have a history of success? And based on, you know, the 50-year anniversary here, there's plenty of alum uh, in the sports business world that you can really lean your hat on and uh, and ask for help and results, not only to get your first job, but also to advance in your career once you're in the industry. It, it, it really has been amazing when we're reaching out to alumni for all our projects and even for this podcast, how responsive they've been and willing to help us out. And I, I think you've hit it right on the head. It, uh, one of the biggest the draws of this program. So our final question, we want to thank you for being with us here today. And our final question, I'm going to give you one word, maybe two, but if you could describe your OU experience, what would it be? What, would, what were some of the words that you would use? Enlightening is probably the first word that I'd use. Um, you know, it really opened my eyes up to the sports business world in terms of what was available out there for, for careers in the industry. And then I think the second thing I would say is is friendship for a second word. Um, you know, I'd be remiss in this call not to mention those at OU that helped me. Definitely Joel helped me get into the the program and open my eyes up to, to the possibilities of Ohio. And then Mike Redlick, an alum, I uh, worked for him for seven years. I actually had three different uh, career stops. Um, Andy Dulledge was my boss's boss. Uh, so Mike's boss for five different years. Um, you know, the entire class of 2016, we communicate with each other quite frequently. And then Eric Sudal, um, he was actually a groomsman in my wedding here a couple of months ago, and I was a groomsman in his wedding. So really that friendship piece of, of building lifelong friends and knowing that there's bobcats out there that have your back um, is, is really the one thing that I would lean on in terms of the LU experience. Well, awesome. Well, Brent, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, and, you know, this, it really just emphasizes how, how, like what you said, how awesome this network is and how great our alumni are and willing to give back. So we thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, unless you have anything else, um, go 49ers, right? I appreciate that, guys. Go Niners and go Bobcats.
Thank you to Brent for taking part in this week's podcast. We see more and more teams adopt the less is more model as the world of sports business is ever changing, especially when it comes to partnerships. Join us next week as we welcome Tom Simmons, the Assistant Athletic Director for Communications at the University of Miami. In his role, Tom directs all communications for the Hurricanes football program and manages all of the sports information directors in the athletic department. Tom took his talents to South Beach after serving in the same role at Ohio University for three years where he was able to work and earn his MSA in 2014. Tom has had stops in the NFL as well as FCS, FBS, and Power 5 schools in his career, but arguably the biggest moment in his sports career came when a video of him catching a punt at the Hurricanes fall camp went viral. Tom talks about the life of an SID as well as what receiving his MSA from Ohio was like after a few years of pulling double time with his career and in classes. Thank you again for checking us out, and with that, Todd. 110, take it away.